Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7. Talking about a shameless life. And uh, we're going to go to Isaiah 61, 7 in just a second. I'll read our, our main scripture text first, 2 Corinthians 4, 18 and 2 Corinthians 4, 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. But the things which are seen, uh, excuse me, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he's saying, the Holy Spirit's saying, we're not looking at things seen or our gaze is not so fastened to the things that we see before us, the natural things or the feelings that we have, uh, that we live under their light, right? So while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You know, I have four small children, and so they'll say, Daddy, do you, do you see that? Yes, I see that, but actually I'm looking beyond it. But Daddy, don't you, can't you tell that this is going to happen? Right? Daddy, can't you see? Like uh, as they're learning to drive, or they're not learning to drive too much now, but as they're thinking about learning to drive, right? They're making comments about driving, telling me how I should drive, Reaping seeds that I have sown. No. Um, <laughs> the seeds that I sow with my wife, right? <laughs> Melody. Okay. And so, no, but we'll be at a traffic light, and there'll be a green light. And they say, go, Daddy. And I say, well, I can't really go because there's other cars in front of me that have to go before I can go. So they're looking at the things that are seen, but they're not looking at all the things that are seen. And they see... Uh, you know, in a child's viewpoint. Like, uh, I love uh, 1 Corinthians 13, meditating on the love uh, scriptures that the Holy Spirit gave us through Paul. And, um, you know, Paul is the one that persecuted the church so much. Paul is the one that stood by and watched him being murdered. Paul was there for all that. And so, isn't it just like God that he said, you know what, this man... I'm going to come upon him and have him write some of the greatest words of love that mankind has ever heard. Had some uh, real experience at walking in love when uh, he wanted to really walk by the seen, but he went by what the unseen. So while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Uh, verse 2 of the same chapter. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Margin of my Bible says, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. So we have renounced them. Not walking, listen to what shame makes you do, in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. How can you do that if you're doing it in your own power and you're looking at the seen? But if you're looking to the unseen and you're walking in love and yielding to the Holy Spirit, I can commend you uh, to, to your own conscience in the sight of God. Now, I love the message translation of verse 2. It just makes it so vivid. I keep calling it a translation. It's really a paraphrase, but it gives you a good idea. Uh, verse 2 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We refuse to wear masks and play games. 
I think everybody likes that because it's during COVID too, right? We refuse to wear masks and play games. I'm not making a message on COVID or a political message or anything. I'm, this is what message translation says. So uh, I'm not talking about like a, a protective mask that somebody maybe is wearing. I'm talking like a Halloween mask. Like somebody's dressing up as somebody else, pretending to be somebody else. So maybe you could do that, pretend to be a doctor if you're wearing that. Um, but we refuse to, we refuse it. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We do not maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And everybody said, amen, right? Well, it's really easy to say amen on a Sunday morning in church. Uh, but sometimes when Monday morning comes and the opportunity to get an advantage over someone else presents itself, if you're looking at the scene and the here and the now, the realm of time, that temptation is going to be a lot harder to overcome than if you're looking at the eternal. Because if you look at the eternal, the things not seen, well, uh, that's like, uh, what are they? I can't think of the right word, but as easy as pie, right? Something like that. It's a cakewalk. I like desserts, I guess. Okay. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes, and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. So, like, you know, somebody said you can, like, make it say anything you want. You know, Judas went and hanged himself, go do likewise, right? No, that's not, that, that's taking it way out of context. But you could combine any words and say, this is what the Bible says. Well, now with modern technology, you could make it say anything you want. There's so many words in the Bible, just piece, piece them together and you say, this is what it says. No, the word and the spirit agree. And, and there is a theme uh, throughout the Bible and it is the theme of love. And it is the theme of looking to Christ and not to yourself. And, uh, you know, you can see Jesus in every single book of the Bible. So, um, rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. The whole truth is on display so that those who want to can judge for themselves in the presence of God. In other words, we don't have to manipulate people to get them to believe the gospel. Well, you preach the gospel and the power of God is present in the preaching of the gospel or the declaring of the gospel. Or if you tell me, you come to me and you say, you know what, Tim? Jesus lived and he died on the cross to remove the sins of mankind. And God raised him from the dead on the third day. And he ascended on high and is at the very right hand of God making intercession for you. You know, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that was there in what we call time over 2,000 years ago to uh, raise him from the dead, the same power is present in the preaching of the gospel. That is why if you believe the gospel preached, if your arm is disfigured or deformed or not functioning or damaged, in your believing of that, the same resurrection power that resurrected the damaged, deformed arm of Christ will resurrect your, that you see in the temporary. In other words, it is subject to change. We look not at the things which are subject to change, but at the eternal, the things that are not subject to change. What is not subject to change? That Jesus 
in his redemptive work, when he was on the cross and went to hell itself and defeated all the powers of the devil in every manifestation and every form. And those powers showed up in depression, and those powers showed up in uh, deformed bodies, and those powers showed up in minds and brains that don't work right, and those powers showed up, and I'm going to keep you down by keeping you poor, poverty, and those powers showed up in confusion, and those powers showed up in adultery, and someone else, you know, you ever, you know, we got this uh, CD from Kenneth Hagin, Healing Scriptures, right? So then it, you can listen to this, and it goes over and over and over, and so um, somebody I know doesn't kind of part of it irritates them a little bit and uh, or they just they just don't enjoy it because that's the part that says uh, in Deuteronomy 28 the second part he goes in and says and I will curse you and you'll you'll have hemorrhoids and you'll have the botch and but you know people just read like the healing part if you keep reading it says that another man will lay with your wife that you have betrothed like you're engaged and someone else is sleeping with the person you're engaged to it said, like, you're going to put out these cattle in the field and, like, half of them are going to die. You're going to do this. You know, so the curse, sometimes I think we limit the curse just to healing of physical things. But the devil came, uh, John 10.10, 10, the thief has only come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so he has perverted the beautiful, perfect creation of God in every form. So God designed that one man and one woman would come together in his blessing of marriage in that relationship and that there would be blessing in that. The devil, obviously, you can see, he's trying to destroy marriage and uh, all kind of relationships. And so we're not under the curse, we're under the blessing. But if I look at the scene and I respond and live my life based on the scene, or you could also say the temporary, the realm of time, if I live my life based on that, well, what do they say? In, in business, you know, you got to stop putting out the fires. Like, in a, so I learned to fly an airplane maybe 10 years ago or something like that, probably longer now, anyhow. I don't remember. For my birthday, uh, two of my closest friends bought me what they call an intro flight, introductory flight. And so that means they pay, like, I don't know what they paid, $80, $100, maybe $150. Not very much money compared to the cost of getting a license. So that means your friends just dangle the carrot in front of you. <laughs> Say now, and you go pay for the rest of it. Right? So I went and paid for the rest of it. <laughs> and uh, when you're flying an airplane, small airplane, so you're flying an airplane, what happens is you have all these gauges that you have to watch. And then when you first learn to fly, you learn by what's called visual flight rules. That means... You, if you cannot see the ground or you cannot see where you're going to fly to, you can't fly there because you kill yourself. <laughs> uh, because, uh, long story short, you have the instruments, you have an attitude indicator, and if, if you have not been trained to fly by that attitude indicator and your altimeter and different other instruments that are in there, then what's going to happen when you get in the clouds is your brain is going to tell you you are flying towards the ground. And so you're going to like pull up as you're flying towards the ground. But you're really not. You're actually flying straight and level. So you're going to pull up. And as you pull up, you're going to keep pulling up because it's not getting any better. It actually is getting worse. And so you're going to pull up so much that you're going to stall. 
And now you're going to stall, and you're going to be falling like this. And so, like, this is what happened to this guy that was flying Kobe Bryant, the helicopter guy. He was flying by visual rules, but they had all this fog and, and, uh, out there. And so the, 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 I call them detectives, but the, what do they call it? NTSB investigators. And so they look, and they're like, you know what? We got the flight recorder and, and the, the data, at least from the radars, and that thing was in a power dive into the ground. Why? Because he thought... We are diving towards the ground or whichever way. So he pushed the opposite way, which he pushed himself into the ground, right? And so uh, anyhow, I learned visual flight rules. And so what they say is, uh, you're flying. So I'd fly, and all of a sudden you got a day like today. I think people think this would be such a beautiful day to fly. Well, you can't see because all the trees, but there is like, I think, not a cloud in the sky. Well, that is a pretty looking day, but because there's not a uh, the, because of how it is, you're going to have a lot of thermals coming up. In other words, heat coming up, and it's going to bounce you. So you're flying, and you hit a thermal. All of a sudden, you start going up. Well, you have to bring your nose down so that you you stay at the same altitude. Otherwise, you're going to be going like this the whole time. So and you're doing that, and then you're trying to keep on course. So you got your map or you got your GPS. So you're like, okay, I got to set my heading for this, and then I got to keep my altitude, and then I got to do this. And what happens is when you first start to fly is the airplane gets ahead of you. So you're like, oh, wait, uh, I just went 100 feet altitude. Well, you don't want to do that because they have other planes coming the opposite direction every 500 feet, you know, so you, you don't want to like, hit another plane. So, so you're up there. You're like, wait, let me go down. So you, you go down. As soon as you get down, well, and you're learning to fly, you're going to most of the time overcompensate. So now if you're trying to fly at 3,000 feet, and you got up to 3,100 feet, you come down to 3,000. Well, if you don't learn, you're going to go right beyond it, and you're going to go down to 2,900. Then you're like, oh, wait, wait, let me go back up, and you go back up to 3,100, and you're doing this, you know, like this. And uh, you know you're doing it, and then you're frustrated about doing it, and so they call that you're behind the airplane. So if you look just at the natural, at the temporary, you're going to live life behind the airplane. What you're supposed to do is get ahead of the airplane. You tell the airplane what you want it to do instead of responding to what it's doing. So in the business world, a lot of times, they call that putting out fires. So like, what are you doing? Well, I'm putting out this fire. Are you guys making progress uh, in your vision and your goals? Are you expanding? Well, no, we're just putting out fires. We're just putting out fires. You know, maybe you're having to put out fires. I don't know. I mean, the president's talking about all this healthcare, middleman, everything like that, express scripts. I heard, saw, saw him talk about it and everything. <laughs> well, we got to put that fire out, right? Whatever. You know, I'm just messing with Gary. I think we need cheaper drugs. Okay. Anyhow, so I'm just saying stuff pops up and you're planning to go this direction. Now, I got to put this fire out, put this fire out. Well, if you just keep looking at the scene realm and not the eternal, uh, before you realize it, you'll be like 60 years old and you've just been putting out fires your whole life. That's not old. I'm not saying that's old. You're welcome, Mom. Okay. My mom is like 70. That is, no. Um, that is a blessing. Okay. So we look not at the scene. See, what better scripture is there for that, Mom? You've got to love that. Don't look at the scene. Look at the eternal. Okay. <laughs> so while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporary. 
Most people make mistakes in life because they think the things that are seen are eternal and that they will be marked for life because of this experience, because of what happened. This is where people get, they get, they get a shame consciousness and they start to um, form their life after the satisfaction of temporary things. Well, if I just kind of like make it look like it's their fault and not my fault. If I make it look like they're the ones that made the mistake and I didn't make the mistake. In other words, uh, wearing masks, playing games. If I just make it look like, you know, it's really Jessica's fault. The blame game. Right? Well, the truth of the matter is, maybe I looked at the scene a little too much. I wasn't looking at the unseen. Or the truth of the matter is, I don't know if I'm excited to be the one to declare this to you, but nobody in this room except the Lord Jesus Christ is perfect. So we all make mistakes. So the way that you live a successful and a satisfying and a prosperous life in the earth is to live it from the source that only comes from God, and that is John 10, 10. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. I have come that you might have life and that you may have it in abundance. So if you're looking at natural things and trying to make your own way in the world and, and make your own place and make a name for yourself, well, you might be kind of disappointed. And you may be able to do that for a short period of time, but let me tell you what, somebody better is going to come along. Sometimes people, people live for the satisfaction of being the best. Well, I'm not saying you shouldn't be the best, but I'm saying get in a union or connected with the best and let his best flow through you. Magnify Jesus. And then when you come to the end of yourself, you can laugh and say, <laughs> I have no idea how this is going to work, but I know the one who knows. I know the creator of all things. Let's turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Uh, we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Uh, because why? We're looking to the eternal. Wayne Myers, missionary to Mexico, said, Live life in light of eternity. In other words, let the light that shines from eternal things be on your path so you can live life the way God has intended. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow. I'm going to read that again. In the beginning was the Word. In other words, the foundation of everything is the Word. The foundation of everything is the Word. The foundation of a successful business is the Word. A lasting business is the Word. The foundation of education is the Word. The foundation of education is the Word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, 1 John 4 says God is love. God is love. So, if, if you're teaching people without a foundation of the Word and a foundation of love, you are not teaching anybody anything. I'm going to teach a little child. You know what? Here's how you, here, here's how you start a business. Here's what you do. You do this, this, this. Oh, what are they going to do the first time? Someone undercuts them. Well, I'm going to undercut you worse. If you don't have a foundation of character, you're not teaching people squat. When I say character, I mean godly character. I mean the love of God. Sure, you're going to start out. Here, let me sell you this product. And then, and then your financial people come and tell you, you know what? We could make that product just a little thinner. If we make that a little thinner, we're making, you know, a million of these. That's going to save us like $500,000. On top of that, when people drop it and it breaks, we got a continual revenue coming in. So people think, let's take God out of school. Well, look what happens when you take God out of school. You can't even, you know, we had been meeting at Luther Jackson Middle School, so I talked to the staff there sometimes, and they're like, the kids come with these little devices to school, and they have this device, and I'm texting my friend. I'm texting this. Do you know they cannot touch the phone to take it out of their hand? They can say, put your phone down. The kid can just ignore them, and they cannot touch them, or they get sued. They cannot raise their voice to them. Like the kid is in charge. So what I'm trying to say is, and if you're in public education, I'm not coming against your public education, but what I am telling you is, the only real education is founded upon the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were created by Him, and without Him was not anything created that is created. I suppose that the Creator knows more than the created. So if you're going to have a foundation for actual learning and education, it has to be founded on the Word. Not possible for it not to be. In fact, when it is, when it is consciously, uh, when, when men consciously turn from the Word, Romans says that men's minds become debased. So they think wrong. So you can't teach actual education. There is no education without the Word. And so, um, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not made anything that was made. So nothing that was made was made without the Word. This is what I'm trying to get to, verse 4. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So in the word was life, 
And that life was our light. Or somebody said, it's the development of mankind. Or it is the way that we can see how to walk and how to live. It comes from the Word, right? The, the Word, Psalm 119, is a light to your feet. Was a lamp to your feet? A light to your path, right? A lamp to your feet, a light to your path. Well, that means you get in the Word, and it doesn't mean that you're, it's going to be a, a light to, the, uh, to your whole worldview, when I say worldview, view of the world, I don't mean like worldview. Boy, I said that wrong. So, in other words, that light is right in front of your feet. So the word shows you this is the next step to take. And if you look down the path, you can see some light down the path. But if you look beyond that, you're not going to see light. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come, but He didn't show you everything to come. And so, um, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, I'm going to read the Isaiah verse. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7. Instead, listen to this. And try, try just to be quiet. I'm just kidding. I don't know. This one makes me want to shout. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Oh, do you know that the devil tries to put shame on every human being on the face of the earth because that's what he has to deal with? He is a shame dealer. He could get arrested for, uh, what do you call it? Possession with intent to distribute. He's going to go away for a long time. So the devil carries shame. And if you, if you cozy up with him too much, you will carry shame. If you look to the temporary, you're going to look to shame. Well, the word temporary means it's subject to change. <laughs> so you just look at that thing and say, ha, 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 that is subject to change. It's temporary. By its very essence and definition, it is temporary. Meaning, it's not permanent. It doesn't last forever. And it's subject to change. So, instead of your shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they will rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they'll go and they will possess a double portion. They will go and they'll possess a double portion. So when the devil's saying, look what's right in front of your face. Look what's right in front of your face. And look what's right behind you. Look what you just did. Uh, look what you just thought. Look how you just acted. Uh, you know, you just bring him to Isaiah 67 verse 1 and said, you know, no, 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 no. Look at Isaiah 67 1. It is written. Instead of shame, I got a double portion. <laughs> Instead of dishonor, I'm going to rejoice. In my land, I'm going to possess a double portion. It would be good, I guess, if we had a single portion, but it's a double portion. Like somebody said, you know, uh, how much steak would you like? I would like a double portion. <laughs> Or actually, that's probably not true. My wife would like a double portion. How many potatoes would you want? I want a double portion of potatoes. <laughs> a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Whew. 
Laughter does good like a medicine. Laughter is like a medicine. If you need healing in your body, you just begin to laugh because laughter is like a medicine. If you're being attacked by the devil, I use this with my kids all the time. Sometimes it's their own reasoning and personality. And sometimes I suppose it's the devil or a demonic influence. And I'll say, just laugh. And they're like, I'm like, just laugh. And they're like, <laughs> it breaks it like that. You know, they do studies like M.D. Anderson in Houston that, you know, they'll have like laughter groups with laughter leaders that teach people just to laugh. I think Americans need to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh until they feel like they laugh too much and then laugh some more. Well, I tell you, the best way I know to laugh is I laugh at the plans of the devil because they're so foolish and they're so temporary and they're so like now, here and now. I'm like, what are you thinking about the here and now for? I guess because when he thinks of the future, he's not really happy about that thought. So he lives for the here and now, right? So um, instead of your shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of, say, say, this, say this after me. Instead of my shame, I'm going to have a double portion. And I will have, and I do have, everlasting joy and the joy of the Lord is my strength I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might sometimes you think how can I do it uh, I just don't have the strength that is looking at the temporary that is looking at the scene so you just look a little bit beyond that you can have that there but look beyond it and and you know how I like to say it is this hand ought to be the word and so if you're looking through this hand, everybody put your hand up in front of your face with your fingers spread. So if I'm looking at a situation and if I look at the word, which is your hand, through that situation, I'm the situation through the word, everything I see right in front of me is the word. It's the eternal. It's not subject to change. But everything that's on the other side, that's subject to change. Here, just look to your right. See, it changed. <laughs> in other words, what I'm trying to say is, we're not denying those things are there. We're just denying there's, we're, we're just declaring that there is someone greater than those things and he is the word. And he created all things. Like he has a brand new liver. He has a brand new kidney. He has a brand new lung. He has a brand new heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Instead of shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of shame, there will be a double portion. Say, instead of shame, I have a double portion of blessing, of freedom, of joy, of strength, of vision. Oh, yeah, you need some vision. You need some vision. You need to see into eternal things. See, see what God will show you. See what God would do with you. See what God would say. Whoa, if you, if you ever see, if you ever see what God shows, oh, oh, you're, you, you got a whole new vision, a whole new life. Let me read this to you. This is so good. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I like this. Uh, hallelujah. Brandon, run to my truck and get my briefcase. Real quick, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say to you, 
He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me, this is Jesus, has everlasting life and will not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Verily, verily, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear him shall live. The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear him will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have life in yourself. So the same life that sustains Jesus is the same life that has sustained us. And he said, I've come that you might have this life and that you might have it in abundance. All right, so I'm talking about a new vision. Listen to this. This is, this is a, I love this page. It's an introduction about a, a, a book on righteousness. Uh, but I love the, the picture here. It said, they had been fishing all afternoon. Now they were seated before the fireplace at the camp. They were close friends. After a bit of silence, he said to his pastor, um, life has not been what I dreamed that it would be. I've never reached the goal that I set my heart upon in my younger days. I have never opened my heart to anyone about it, but I'm going to tell you today. I have always been religious. I have been a teacher of Bible classes. I have been a superintendent of Sunday schools. I have been an educator since I left college. But all these years, there has been a secret background of unreality. You get the picture? So this man had done religious things, not relationship things, but religious things his whole life. And he's like, you know what? Things just didn't turn out how I, I just, this is just not how I pictured it. Probably not how he heard even people talking about it. Secret background of unreality. God has never been real to me. I've read the Gospels, I've lectured about them, but all the time there was this consciousness that I had not arrived. That address you gave the other night revealed to me that the thing that I have needed in the early days uh, were, uh, uh, the thing that I have needed in the early days, we were never taught about eternal life. It was getting converted or joining the church. We were taught a little bit about justification, but it was always from a theological point of view. It had no sense of reality in it. Give me something real. I never had something real. I was going through the motions. I was saying the things, but it wasn't really real to me. I didn't really grasp it. When I understood that one could receive eternal life, the very nature of God himself, then I knew that what you were telling us about righteousness was really true. You know what he's saying? He's saying, he's saying my vision for life, I thought it would be like this. It didn't turn out how I thought. Because I wasn't doing it with a, with a real relationship and with God himself. He ended up giving himself his life to the Lord. And he got the life of God. Always he was like, well, I'm going to do better uh, and then God will uh, approve of me. I, I'm going to do this and then God will provide for me. I'm going to do this and God will heal me. I'm going to do this and then uh, I'll have favor with him. And he said, I realized 
when you were saying, like Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that's the Greek word zoe, which means the life of God and the nature of God. That, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, if any, uh, what does it say? <laughs> we are the righteous of God in Christ, but how exactly does it say? Let me turn. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21. Him that knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know what that's saying? He had heard that and he's like, oh, that's right. I got to work harder. That's right. I got to pray more. That's right. I got to do more. And he found out this day, the day before this, he found out, wait a second. It's not about me working harder. It's not about me praying more. It's about the very nature of God is righteousness. The righteousness of God, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So think about the nature of God himself. Think about the power of God. So God's nature is love. God has in his nature is righteousness in his nature. So how righteous is God? How right does he do things and how right does he see things, right? And 2 Corinthians 5, 21, verse 17, you go up a little bit, said, if any man be united to Christ, he is a brand new creature. You go on down to verse 21. Him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin. Him who knew no sin. We're talking about your vision. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin. Not just took your sins, but was made to be sin itself. Why? <laughs> well, it says that we might be made the righteous of God. But, but what happened? He was made to be sin. And he went into hell itself, the penalty for sin separation from God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross. And then he went to hell because what? The penalty for sin is death. Penalty for sin is you have to be separated from God because sin can't be in the presence of God. I will pause just to say this real quick. And that is somebody said like, how can a loving God have such a horrible place as hell. Well, there is such a horrible place as hell. But I want you to stop for a second. Just use your imagination. What would an existence be like? Let's just say Mars. If you go to Mars, well, Mars is not a habitable place. Okay, let's just take everybody off the world and put you on the world. And you're the only one on the world. Now let's take God completely out of the earth and out of the equation. If all things are upheld by the word of his power or the power of his word, how well is earth going to stay together? You, you remove the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. So let's, take, let's, take, let's imagine an existence where we could take God out of the picture. It might be like burning hellfire. So these people have chosen to turn away from God, not to God doesn't sound like a place that God designed. It actually sounds like we have so much authority, we get to choose where we go. And God said, I love you. I don't know how else I can express it to you. 
but giving my, the life of my own son so that you can have this same life and this same nature. So how righteous is God? So we have been made the righteousness of God in our union with Christ. In other words, when we were united with him, his very nature flows into us. And his nature is a righteous nature. So this man was testifying and he was saying, wait a second. I realized when I heard this, this is the answer to all the problems. Because now the righteous nature, which I thought I could never attain to, I realize I got it through my relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. In other words, our union with God through his son, Jesus Christ, brings with it the nature of God and the very life of God. So God, you know, sometimes my wife picks on me for this, but it's okay. Because I'm like, you know, I just don't, I mean, I don't know what it is. It's probably something I could grow in, I'm sure. But I'm like, you know, how can I be over here having all this fun if other people aren't having the same amount of fun? I want other people to enjoy it, right? Well, so the same power and life that sustains God and the same satisfaction of character that God himself is and has you ever acted in integrity when you didn't want to? Do you know the satisfaction that comes with that? That you can, you know, like, I didn't choose the wrong thing. I chose the right thing. Sure, it would have been easier for me to go this direction. I probably would have enjoyed it better at the moment. But I chose godly character. It's like a good hard day's work. Work is a four-letter word, but it is not a cuss word. Right? <laughs> so, that same character, that same nature, that same life comes to us when we're recreated in Christ Jesus. He makes all things new. All things new. Hallelujah. So your vision, you might have a vision uh, that just ends at the natural, that just ends at the temporary. But he wants us to have our vision on the eternal, on the Son of God that's lifted up, that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me, unto myself. In other words, uh, lift up Jesus. Don't lift up yourself. Don't lift up me. Don't lift up your favorite whoever. You lift up Jesus. Why? Because nobody else has the answers for every situation and all time because no one else created all things. But Jesus knows. And Jesus made a way. And Jesus is the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. In other words, no one's going to God if they don't go through Jesus. No one can get to God if they don't go through Jesus. That's why you see some other religions where people say, well, you know, you know so-and-so is God. No, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Faith in itself is, is turning from yourself and from the world and turning to the Lord. So faith is a turn. And faith is looking not at the unseen, a seen, but at the unseen. Faith is not looking at the temporary, but is looking at the eternal. 
And so why am I doing this? Because I'm looking at the eternal. Why do I see this? What, what, do, what, what do you see? Well, you've got to get a vision from God. You have to, you have to uh, sometimes you've got to take some extra time in prayer to get more conscious of the Lord. Well, I, I love to pray in the Spirit. Why? Because I'm not praying to be heard of men. He that prays in an unknown tongue prays not to men, but prays to God. No one understands him. Like, what, what are you speaking? I don't understand you. That's okay. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to God. And the words that I'm speaking are not of myself. They're from God. He's given me a supply. He's just asking me to let those words be formed in my vocal cords, my tongue, and my lips and come out. But I don't come up with the words. I analyzed my tongues when I was first filled with the Spirit. Tongue analysis. I'm not going to do it for you, but I did it for me. So I heard myself praying in other tongues, and I thought, what is this? <laughs> I must be making this up. Why? Look into the temporary. Trying to find a reason that it's not supernatural. Could it actually be supernatural? So, I pray in other tongues, and I'd stop. And I'd think. Be like, did I just make up that sound? But no, I didn't. I didn't think that before I spoke it. But I would hear myself speak it, so then it would come to my mind. So then I'd speak a little more. And I thought, did I just come up with that? I said, yeah, I came up with that. And I thought, I did? So I thought out this sound, and, this, and as I thought it, I'm like, oh, I didn't. I didn't come up with it. Like, I actually went through the whole process. It probably, I probably spent 30, 45 minutes doing this. One of the best things I ever did. So I'm like, lo and behold, I am not making this up. I even tried to fake it. I'm like, well, okay, I'm just going to make me be that. I make sounds, whatever. Boy, there was no, like, it's almost like a, like a fingers on a chalkboard. <laughs> Like, ugh. And I'm like, I didn't come up with that. I mean, I tested it in the laboratory, my laboratory, <laughs> as much as I could test it, right? So I said, this is supernatural. This is not from me. But yet I, I uh, am a channel or a vessel or a, um, I am a being that can allow his words to flow out of me. And God needs that today. Because Satan is the God of this world. Yet the death and the destruction that's happening in the world is not the will of God. So he said, uh, you know, he actually saw this before it all happened. Uh, Christ was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So... He said, um, I'm going to send him into this mess like he sent the Holy Spirit in the beginning to chaos. Hovered over the waters, brought the chaos into order. So he sent Jesus to deliver us from the mess. Well, same thing happens today. When we turn to Jesus, he delivers us from the mess. 
But we have to look at the eternal, not the temporary. We have to have our gaze fixed on the eternal. We have to have our, the vision of the eternal. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And so Jesus, um, when we turn in faith to him, everything else takes its rightful place. Uh, everything else comes in, in, into the right order and to the right place. Stand with me, if you would, as we close. Thank you, Lord. Faith, I got the, this is from uh, that big dictionary you all know I like. It says, faith is the manner of life for the man or the woman who is crucified with Christ, who can no longer live as an I, but who lives in Christ. Faith is the manner of life for the man or woman who is crucified with Christ. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. The life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. He didn't even say, I'm living this life by my own faith. And Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Grab hold of God's faithfulness. Well, the act of turning in faith is actually a miraculous act. The only way you can actually turn to the unseen is if it's been granted to you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And so when we turn to Him and we get, we get this vision, it actually comes from Him and it is actually a miracle. And when we turn and we say, I am crucified with Christ, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. This is the manner of life for the one who lives by faith. And if we're living by faith, it doesn't mean that today on September 6th, 2020, I got converted to Christianity. We ought to stop having any conversions. And we need to have all births. Stop joining a bunch of stuff and be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. You have to be reborn. And when you're reborn, you're reborn into a brand new life. And this new life has a new source of life and has a brand new nature. So the answer to man's problems is not to do better, but it's to die, be crucified on the cross, and come to life again, a brand new life. So faith is the manner of life for the man or woman who has been crucified with Christ and whose life is now hid in Christ Jesus. So it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit. We thank you for vision that only comes from you. We thank you for truth that you have delivered to us through your word. Father, we thank you for your spirit, that he leads us every step, that he guides us down the right path, down paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Father, we thank you for the direction 
that only you could give to every person that's under the sound of my voice. I thank you right now for godly direction on the pathway of every individual listening. Father, that you open up their eyes, spiritual eyes, to see and to know this is what to do and this is the way to go. Father, that you open up a new understanding. Father, I ask that you give every person listening that is born again a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, those that are not born again, that you'll open their eyes to see the reality of heaven and the reality of hell and the reality of your love for them. Father, that, they, that you'll grant to them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may escape the snare of the devil who've been taken captive by him uh, to do his will. Father, that they're free to live and free to give and, and free to follow your path. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is life to us and health to all of our flesh. We, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's just uh, pray together for a second. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your mercies that they're new every day, every morning. We thank you for your power, uh, that you are, your power is greater. Your power is greater than the power of the devil, that your power is greater than the power of our mistakes. Father, I thank you that when we turn our lives to you and turn our situations to you, that you're enabled uh, to, to show up and you're enabled to make the change and that you're enabled uh, uh, to bring life and to bring deliverance and to bring freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, you're good. Your mercies. Oh, you're a merciful God. You're a graceful God. You're a patient God. You're a loving God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, that for shame you've given us a double portion. Oh, everlasting joy. Everlasting strength. Everlasting ability. Oh, Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. 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 With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're with us today, uh, online or in person, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, when you do that, you become brand new. You get a new life and a new nature, and you, you become just as holy as Jesus, just as righteous as Jesus. You actually become the righteousness of God in your union with Him. If you'd like to come to Him, you don't come to Him uh, through uh, the works that you could uh, uh, do, all the things, all the good things. Some people think, well, if I just do more good stuff, then, then I guess I'm a believer because I do good things. No, no, no. The way that you know you're a believer is you believe. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess him as your Lord with your mouth and then you're born again. Uh, it, it comes from the heart. If you'd like to do that today, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. In about 10 seconds, I'm going to clap my hands. And when I do, I want you to make that decision that I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus every single day. I'm going to respond to what God is doing in my heart right now. Somebody said, how, how do I know? How do I believe with my heart? How do I locate my heart? One of the best ways I know to locate my heart is this the place that I really forgive people when they have offended me or if I have offended them where I legitimately say, would you please forgive me? That is from my heart. It's not some fake thing. It's not from your head, uh, but, but it is the center of your being. It's the real you. If you want to do that, I want you to make a decision right now. I'm coming to Jesus and I'm not turning back.
If you made that decision, I want to pray with you. I just want you to pray after me. Repeat after me. Hallelujah. That person apparently just made that decision. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want you to, I want you to, if you didn't hear that online, somebody just said, I said, you know, you made the right decision. Woo! Right. So it is the best decision you'll ever make. Um, but I want to help you. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to pray the scripture with you uh, before you just repeat after me and believe it from your heart. It's with the heart that you believe and with the mouth, your confession brings you into salvation. And so I'm just going to pray, pray after me. Say, oh God, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross to take away my shame and to take away my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead to make me right with you. Jesus, I receive you right now as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. Father God, thank you that I'm part of your family, that I am now born again, and I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.